Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Season 1 of the TV version of Building the Future is now streaming online at buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Suzanne and Karen from Wingpack. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, I'm excited to have you guys on the show. I think what you guys are doing is is really interesting. Um, but maybe kind of before we get into what you guys are doing, let's kind of get to know each one of you a little bit better. And maybe you want to give uh, a little bit of a intro. Sure. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Well, my name is Suzanne Andrews, and uh, my, I guess, official career background is in tech. I was a software engineer at Apple for, like, 10 years. And then after that, I was home raising children for uh, another large chunk of time. And, um, you know, when I came back into professional life after that, I uh, I started working at the Anita Bork Institute, which is a nonprofit organization in Palo Alto that works to advance women in technical careers. So that was really exciting to me because my technical background was um, helping me to have an opportunity to make positive change in the world. And while I was there, I I just got started getting more exposed to startup culture and. Uh, hearing about women entrepreneurs, of course, I'm in the thick of Silicon Valley, but I was a little oblivious when I was in a home with my kids. So I learned that women entrepreneurs are statistically more successful and a better return on investment than men entrepreneurs, but still underfunded. Interesting. So that's when, you know, that's when I got really interested in learning about women. I wonder what it would take. You know, this sounds like an opportunity to, um, to make a difference in the world and possibly make some some money, so I wonder what it would take to fund uh, women-run companies. And so that's when I joined the Pipeline Angels uh, boot camp training for women angel investors, and that's when I met Karen and my other WeedPack co-founders, and we learned about angel investing together, and then we decided that it was really powerful and exciting when we wanted more women to know about it, and that's why we founded WeedPack and wrote our book. Okay, very so that's cool. kind of the overview of how I got here. Interesting. And Karen, do you want to maybe give a quick background? Sure, yeah. My background by education is in psychology and in school counseling. And I was a teacher for a couple years and then uh, a child and adolescent school counselor. And then I also stopped working to raise kids for about 10 years and loved that, but did feel like a little something was missing from my life professionally and and uh, was in the process of figuring all of that out um, along with um, a divorce and a major life transition. And on the other end of that, I discovered the Pipeline Angels program that Suzanne just mentioned. And it's a, an intensive uh, training program for women that want to learn about angel investing in order to fund more female entrepreneurs. And it was really transformative. And I, um, I met my colleagues that I founded Impact with, and we have since written a book called Impact with Wings. And we have made one collective investment in a women-led company and have also made several individual investments 
um, on, on our own. And um, it's been a really empowering, enlightening process, just realizing how much harder it is for female entrepreneurs to secure funding and, um, and also just to be in the receiving end and be able to help uh, these, these companies grow. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So I'm kind of curious to know, why is it kind of traditionally been harder for, for females to get funding? Um, well, we could probably both answer that question. Um, my short answer is that the majority of investors are still men, and okay. investors do tend, by statistics, they still tend to to choose entrepreneurs that um, that resemble them in some way or another, or who have a company or a product or service that, that resonates with them. And so um, it's not necessarily always a result of sexism, but um, but there is just some intrinsic bias maybe toward investing in those that um, that feel the most familiar to one to oneself. Sure. So that's okay. one explanation that's been shown. Um, Suzanne, you probably have more reasons to add to that. Well, I mean, I think we don't really know for sure why you know, all the investment data is the way it is, but that's sort of a prevailing theory that people invest in, you know, women that they, I mean, in the entrepreneurs that they can relate to. You know, there's just, like I mentioned, there's been tons and tons of data that show that diverse teams perform better and, and women statistically, you know, build bigger companies with less capital and all that kind of stuff. But the, you know, that all that science, and numbers and logic really hasn't significantly changed the behavior of the mainline male-dominated investment community. So that's, you know, one of the reasons it's so exciting to have more women coming into the investment field. Sure. No, that makes that that's interesting. So I'm curious though. When you say that you know women will build more successful companies without spending less money, and they're, they've you know their stats to say that they're they're building even more successful companies sometimes than men. Like, what is that kind of based on? I guess, or, or why do you think that is? You know, again, I don't know the reasons why. It's just that you know we have studies, uh, and some of them may be quoted in our book. I know we have some sections that have a lot of statistics, but um, there's just studies that look at you know number of entrepreneurs by gender and uh, how much money they raise and how big their companies get, and and so it's just, it's based on those statistics. And okay. I don't know the reason, you know, why. Um, I mean, my my personal theory behind that would be that women-led companies tend to be more representative of what the population is like, and so therefore it could most likely serve the population a little bit more effectively um, because it's. If the board is diverse and the founding voices are diverse, um, the company is much more likely to really take into consideration the clientele and the customers in a more widespread context. Sure. No, uh, so women tend to start their companies later in life, so um, women, uh, typical, you know, again, statistically, these are broad generalizations, but women tend to maybe have more professional and business experience under their belt before they start their companies. I mean, you know, we don't know. It's all conjecture, but um, uh, yeah. No, that's in, that's really interesting. So, kind of walk me through Wing Pact and exactly, um, kind of what you guys do and kind of how it all came to be. 
Yeah, well, we, we met each other um, during the Pipeline Angels program, and toward the end of that program, we, we enjoyed our work together so much that we wanted to found a company, and so okay. we started Wingpack. And our, uh, our first main project has been the writing of this book that we just published and we're really excited about. Okay. And each of us has written one chapter in okay. the book, and then we also have two contributing authors um, who are prominent investors and, and uh, or experts in the field of gender studies. Um, Jerry Steinbel from uh, VentureNeer, I think her, her company is called, is um, fantastic, and she writes a lot for uh, Forbes and other publications on um, gender diversity. Sure. And and um, we just we put together, we decided to put together our whole collection of personal stories and research and interviews and data um, to really illustrate the need for more women to tap into the capital that they have and to use it in more meaningful ways um, because uh, women control the fastest growing segment of the world's wealth. And um, in Suzanne's chapter, she can speak more to this, um, it's been cited that um, by 2030, women will control more than two-thirds of the, of the wealth within the United States. Really? So there's, Interesting. There's a lot of money that um, that women do have access to, and and we feel and really believe that that when um, values are aligned with money, women often um, become empowered, and they, they want to they want to make that connection. They want to use their money in meaningful ways and and advance other women. So we're just trying to to bring that to the forefront and, and really emphasize the need for women um, investors, more women investors. And of course, we'd like to see more female-founded companies get funded as a result. So that's the mission of our book. And okay. then, um, what's the book called? From, just just for people out there. Yeah, it's called Impact with Wings. Okay. And then there's a subtitle, and the subtitle is Stories to Inspire and Mobilize Women, Angel Investors, and Entrepreneurs. Okay, and where where can people get the book? Amazon. Okay. And some local Bay Area bookstores are carrying it right now too okay awesome so and i'll post a link to that um in the show notes as well but i think it's it's good to kind of mention where people can can get it as well but uh sorry i cut you off so keep going yeah oh yeah and then um and then as a company we have plans to uh to go further with our mission um and and the book the book is just a launching pad for us um but our, our mission remains to, to activate more women angel investors and to get more funding to female entrepreneurs. And so Ben could probably take it from there and maybe throw in a few more um, projects in the pipeline. Sure. Well, yeah, thank you, Karen. And I also just wanted to mention again in terms of the, you know, the original founding of Wingpack when we were finishing our class and we all kind of had our own perspectives of why it had been so enlightening and exciting to us. We sat around and said, well, why? You know, at that time, I think it was maybe only 13% of angel investors were women. That number's grown in the last couple of years. But we were like, well, why don't women invest in companies? They have the capital. It's really cool. There's tons of opportunity. And we really realized that if in our circle of friends, we felt like it just doesn't occur to women. It's just not part of the conversation. And there actually has been research since then in the last couple of years by Alicia Rock, you know, looking at the question, why don't women become angel investors, and a, a huge reason is because nobody ever suggests to them that that's a possibility. So that was really the impetus behind the book. It's like, we are 
you know, this year with launching this book and with every book launch event that we do, we're suggesting to people that they could be an angel investor now or someday in the future. You know, we have whole generations of women that are interested in this new idea. So it's really just um, getting it in front of women as a possibility. So I, I guess... Uh, let's see, you were asking about... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. It's okay. Well, you were asking about upcoming programs or what we're going to be doing in yeah. the future. We're, just, we're looking at uh, programs to, again, just get the word out to more women and uh, support the women investor community so that once women start investing, they, they stay and they find it uh, they find it worthwhile um, and possibly you know, education. So for this year, really, just we're doing book launches events all over the country, possibly all over the world, and and those in themselves are just uh, uh, just planting the seed in, in lots of women's minds. Sure. No, that that's interesting. So, if what do you tell kind of somebody that's looking to become? Um, you know, an investor and they and they have the money, like how do you kind of inspire them to start and what do you tell them? Go ahead, Susan. Well, we, we direct people to our website, impact.com, which has a resource guide, I think it's called a, a beginner's guide or something like that, which lists, you know, actually the environment for women angels and new women angels right now in the last couple of years since we started writing the book it's just exploding and there's tons i mean there's obviously there's pipeline angels that we've mentioned a couple of times but there's other um women focused training organizations there's women investor organizations there's um you know there's a, a, just a lot of resources on the web so um, if women are just ready to go, they we direct them to those resources. Um, we are also, you know, Karen and I did a workshop recently called "Talking Money with Women," and um, part of the uh, part of the dynamic that we're interested in looking at is like women don't really seem to talk about their money very much, or you know, there's social dynamics around not appearing wealthy and that sort of thing. And, and we think this inhibits women's ability to really acknowledge the resources that they have and take advantage of them for creating a future. So um, uh, we're looking at programs to just sort of get women talking about these issues and thinking about, oh, you know, this is, this is an area where it could make a bigger difference if, if I really took hold and took control of what I really have. Yeah, my chapter in particular addresses taboos that that some of us hold around money and the discomfort that a lot of us feel around discussing it and uh, the importance of of confronting these taboos and, and, and coming to terms with what we do have and what we could be doing with our resources more powerfully. So uh, generating more discussion around our finances is, is another one of our goals as a company is just to, to, to get women talking about money more comfortably. Okay, interesting. So how do you kind of, like you say, you mentioned kind of like taboos and, and getting people and women talking about this, but like, like, obviously I can't fully, like I understand what you're talking about, but obviously I can't fully 
comprehend like it exactly because I'm I'm a male, right? So I, I'm kind of curious to know like what do you, what have you guys kind of seen um, that make women not want to talk about money or investing or kind of that whole taboo side of things? That's a big question. Um, well, I think that as a society, there are definitely taboos um, okay. around around money. So a lot of it is social conditioning. But among among friends, it can be extremely uncomfortable talking about it, um, just because of the discrepancy sometimes uh, among salaries or family lifestyles or um, savings or demands that. that that one might have on on him or her. Um, there's also, I think, an embarrassment for some women um, around having resources. Uh, for me, that's part of my story in my in my chapter was just um, coming to terms with wealth when I had never really identified with it before. Um, and when I stepped out of my marriage and really rebuilt my life as a single person, this was this was one of my greatest challenges. Was was um, with owning what I had and recognizing it because I had never before seen myself as being a person that had that had money. And okay. I found myself with resources that I had never really owned. And I wanted to make sure that the next step in my life was going to involve um, powerful, meaningful decisions with that, with those new resources. Um, so I think there's, I, I do believe that there are still taboos around money, for sure. And they just are different from one person to the next. Sure. And I guess it's probably depending on like your friend group or your social group or, or kind of who you hang out with too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So what like I, I, I know there's probably there's not really a magical number to this, but and you guys probably get asked this all the time, and I'm always kind of curious because I always seem to get kind of the same answer, but slightly different, is like how much money do you really should you have to kind of start investing is it like a percentage of your net worth is it you know you know twenty thousand dollars a hundred thousand dollars you know half a mil like what what do you kind of roughly yeah. tell people to start out with um when they're looking to kind of get in and invest in people or companies well <clears throat> to be an accredited investor um there's, those rules have actually just changed recently within the past few weeks as far as uh, holding equity in a business. Is that correct, Suzanne? This is a new rule. Um, but, um, but to be an accredited investor, by definition, means that as a married couple, you need to have an income of, of $300,000 or more. Okay. Um, a single person, $200,000 or more, or... Uh, a net worth of $1 million, excluding your primary residence. Okay. So that's, that's the government's definition of, of what an accredited investor is. Um, but with crowdfunding and the, um, the evolution of, of crowdfunding um, these days, it's taking on a whole new life of its own. And an investor does not need to have those resources to begin to invest. Um, and even now to hold equity in a company, um, it's, it's now possible for for anybody to do it um, over a crowdfunding platform. Sure. And, you know, there is um, our co-author, Wendy Sin, right? She's, a, she's an investment banker with 
State Street, and she does write in her uh, chapter about, you know, guidelines for how much of your resources. But I think uh, standard guidelines are, you know, no more than 5 to 10% of your assets. Uh, you need to consider that you want to have a portfolio strategy because, you know, many of your companies will fail. So ideally, a portfolio of 10 or more companies, um, you know, you need to not ever invest money in a company that you couldn't afford to lose and also, uh, you know, investing at early seed stage, at the, you know, in the angel time frame, you you probably won't see your money for another five to seven years if you, if you do have a return at all. So um, those are some of the guidelines, as Karen said, with the new rules with um, with the crowdfunding portals, the the asset requirements are lower, and then um, you're allowed to make smaller investments, I believe, uh, more in the range of $5,000. So there's there's still requirements and limits. It's not like anybody can do equity investing, but it's opening up for more people. And anybody, of course, can can participate in crowdfunding, which is not necessarily for equity, but you know, for other um, for other benefits. Sure. No, that that makes a lot of sense, and I think I think that's really good advice. So you guys also invest in companies, correct? Yeah. Do yeah. you do you guys want to maybe cover some companies that you guys have invested in, or and or um, kind of what you guys look for when you're going to invest in companies? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, one of my companies that I am always happy to talk about and excited to talk about is um, called Cooley Cooley. Okay. And it is um, it is uh, a company founded by a young woman named Lisa Curtis who was in the Peace Corps um, about uh, seven or eight years ago and discovered this plant in West Africa um, called Moringa. And it's a very densely nutritious plant that grows through drought periods and is very sustainable. And and she wanted to bring it to the Western market. And so she has uh, women cooperative farm, farms all over um, Haiti now and parts of West Africa. Oh, wow. And, uh, and she's harvesting the plant for... Um, for a powder, a nutrition powder that's that's already being sold here in the states, and nutrition bars that are um, in Whole Foods already, and many supermarkets um, nationwide already. So she's doing really well, and uh-huh. and it 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 all started with um, with her Peace Corps experience, and and women farmers are getting a kickback, of course, um, from from all the work that they're contributing. And so it's a it's a real effort. Um, a real collaborative effort to empower women with, within the company. It's, it's, they're they're right on board with with our mission as as a company as well to um, to empower women. Um, and there are several other companies that I'm equally excited to talk about. But I'll go ahead and let Suzanne mention them. All right. Uh, one of my investments that I'm really excited about I've invested in a company called Portfolio. Okay. Which is. Uh, Founded by Trish Costello, who's been uh, working in women's entrepreneurship and and venture capital in general for decades, and so she's very well connected and she really knows the scene. But Portfolio is a platform to 
to connect women entrepreneurs and women investors. I mean, it's open to everybody, of course, but it's, uh, it's geared toward being the, the go-to location for anybody who wants to be involved in women's startup ecosystem. And one of the reasons that it's exciting to me to have invested in Portfolio is because her mission is so closely aligned with WinPact, with total partners. Her mission is to activate more women investors, you know, for all of the reasons that we've already discussed. And, you know, there's a lot of room for new knowledge and innovation in this area because, you know, you've been asking us these questions like, why are there money taboos with women, or why don't women invest, or why, you know, are women entrepreneurs more successful? So um, she's had an opportunity on her platform to do a fair amount of innovation in in finding ways to bring more women into investing. Like, for example, she has a set of funds. The first one is called the Rising Tide Fund, um, but they're, she calls them Learn by Doing Funds. And these are opportunities for new women investors to invest alongside experienced women and learn from them and uh, invest smaller amounts of money. And we're starting to see, you know, in portfolio and also in other indications that uh, women like to get involved in investing in companies. Uh, they like to kind of test it out before they jump in with large amounts of money. And they also like to feel really well informed about what they're doing. So, um, so this kind of experimental education, learn by doing opportunities are working really well to bring more women into the ecosystem with their investment dollars. So that portfolio, that's one that I'm really excited about. That's very cool. Um, do you guys want to cover a couple more? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, should we talk about the one that we started with? Sure. Yeah, go ahead, music. Sure. Yeah, so the... the the training program that Karen and I and our, our co-founders met in Pipeline Angels, it's also kind of a learn-by-doing uh, setup where you actually go through the process of making an investment together while also meeting mentors and, and learning all the material that you need to learn. So, you know, we you meet one or two days a month over four to six months, and during that time, we've received applications from 60 women-run social impact companies, we read the applications and decided we invited seven or eight of them to come pitch to us. We listened to pitches, we were the investors, we asked all the questions and we chose three to four companies to go into ultimately so the way the class works is everyone has agreed to put in five thousand dollars into the the class agrees to choose one company that they all invest in. So oh, the company that we chose as a group is called Seven Keys Music. Okay. And uh, the founder, Brooke Wentz, is an expert in, in global music licensing, and she's been in the music industry for a long time and, and is very well connected. But she is gathering her platform, Seven Keys Music, brings global music uh, to it's mostly content, content producers, you know, people who are making video content, whether it's for the news or for advertising or whatever, um, the, the interest in having appropriate global music that, you know, that's appropriate to your content is growing. And so, while at the same time providing a marketplace for the global uh, artists who many of them come from places or 
situations where they would not have that kind of a marketplace otherwise. And and the company's doing great. Her music library is growing. Her technology is innovative. And um, so that's the company that we that the whole class invested in together. That's yeah, awesome. it's a way for media makers to get to procure more authentic world music for for their their films or their documentaries or whatever they may be working on, just to, to represent cultures a little bit more accurately. Sure, that's very cool, actually. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's another one that I am really excited about too that I recently invested in, and it's called My Lab Box. Okay. And it's a, a do-it-yourself kit for testing for STDs, and it's it's um, completely anonymous and half the cost of going to a doctor's office. And it's a it's, it's to me it's long overdue and and serves. A purpose and um, build a niche that um, that is very much needed, and um, they're doing great. You can already find these kits um, in Walgreens, or you can just order them directly. Mm-hmm. com, and um, there's uh, results within two to five days, and um, and then follow up phone calls for uh, medication if needed, and it's completely anonymous and really takes the stigma off of um, off of going to the doctor's office to discuss um, these issues. So, um, so that's another one that, I, that I'm excited about. It's growing very uh, rapidly and um, is doing tremendous things for public health. Sure. No, I, I think that's awesome. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. You guys mentioned, um, you know, you have um, an investment that's in Walgreens and and then you have somebody in like Whole Foods and stuff. Do you guys kind of help with that or as well? Or you kind of expect the entrepreneur to kind of hustle that as well? Or is it a little bit of both? I'm always kind of curious to know how you guys get people in these kind of big brand name stores. Yeah, well, we, um, we use our connections and our okay. network as much as possible. Um, so it really depends on the entrepreneur and and how far along they are when when we meet them. Um, so um, making an angel investment can happen at the very very beginning of a company's um, trajectory or or down the road once they're already um, pretty well established. So um, so it really just depends. It depends on um, on what our backgrounds are and our areas of expertise, and then of course our networks and our connections. But um, but I'm, I would guess that there are many investors that do uh, have quite a bit of, of um, leverage as far as working their connections with certain certain markets and and uh, advertising or whatever it might be. But sure. for us personally, I I would say that um, we we've, we've come on to a lot. Of, we've we've invested in a lot of these companies very early, so um, so didn't didn't have as much. Um, influence over which in, which market they actually ended up in, which establishments they actually ended up in, um, but are always providing connections and more connections. So, no, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious then, what do you guys kind of look for? And maybe I'm kind of curious to know from both of you, kind of what do you guys look for when, you know, somebody comes to you and says, do you want to invest in, you know, my product or service or, or whatever they're looking f- to get funding for. What do you guys look for? 
Suzanne, go ahead and then I'll answer it. Uh, I'm looking for, I think maybe my first witness test is just big market. And this is going to be a big market because okay. there's a lot of great business ideas that may or may not be able to grow enough to to make it uh, appropriate for angel investing. So I find actually there's a fair amount of, you know, with, with very early businesses, I end up doing a fair amount of education with entrepreneurs in terms of what kinds of businesses are appropriate for angel investment and what kind of businesses might, might you maybe be um, more appropriate to get a small business loan or, or other kinds of funding. Or, you know, do you, you know, do we need to how their businesses, how their vision really could be a business that would scale large enough to justify equity investing. That's another area. So big market, um, and then, you know, if I, if I am trying to educate an entrepreneur, I'm looking for, can she listen and, and integrate what I'm saying and learn? And I look for... You know, it's great when I have an opportunity to to build a relationship with an entrepreneur over time because when I can see that she can, you know, figure out how to go after a problem that she doesn't know how to solve and solve it anyway or, you know, learn, sort of learn on the fly or adapt to new information, those are the kinds of things that make me feel like a company, the, the entrepreneur really has what it takes to um take a company the whole way very cool makes sense yeah yeah for me i i kind of go by five basic criteria um when i'm when i'm hearing pitches and um the first one is is it is it female founded okay right now at this time in my life as an investor i'm really only interested at, at the moment in, in female founded companies sure. um is it a social impact company um is it making a difference in the world that's another criterion that, that I use. Um, the third one would be how much of a need is there for the product or service? Um, the fourth would be how well do I know the space or the industry um, of, the, of the company? If it's, is it something that speaks to me? Because as an investor, I, um, I feel like we're most effective if we're investing in companies that are familiar to us in sure. some way, or, or the, the industry is familiar to us. We have more, so much more to contribute, if, if so. Um, and then the fifth the criterion is, um, do I like the entrepreneur? Is, is she trust? Is she, is she a good communicator? Like Suzanne said, is she willing to listen and, um, and really work together and, and allow, um, allow feedback and welcome feedback from investors? Um, so those are all important pieces to the puzzle too but um those are my my five big criteria sure no that makes a lot of sense so maybe there's a couple other companies um you know that you guys on your website is there a couple other that you maybe want to kind of end the show covering kind of what they are and why you guys maybe invested in them I can I can add one more that sure. I, that I'm really excited about as well. It's called Mommy and it's spelled M A H M E E dot com. Okay. And it is um, it is a website uh, for brand new moms 
um, and it's based right now in the LA area, and it offers a 24-7 virtual care and assistance for for moms going through the postpartum period with um, lactation consulting, um, mental health counseling, any possible needs related to the baby's health, um, anything related to anxiety, depression, um, and anything that comes up for brand new moms. Um, You can talk to a doctor at any hour of the day in the privacy of your own home. And um, it's really fantastic and uh, is is much, much needed um, everywhere. And the founder, her name is Melissa Hannah. She's incredibly dynamic and um, and such a go-getter. And her heart's really in the right place. And she's doing amazing things. And she's not even a mom herself, but um, really gets it, really understands the need for what she's doing. And as a mom myself, I have four kids. And I, I just um, identify very, very closely with those, those very vulnerable uh, days um, after becoming a new mom and just how how important the service is. It's really fantastic. And, um, and I, I know that it's, it's just, it's going to be a lot more prevalent in the future and she's just getting started. Very cool. You know, I just, I, I do have an investment I can talk about, but I just wanted to piggyback on, on Karen's description of her investment with mommy and just say what an amazing example this is of why we need women investors because I'm a mom, too. I actually was a midwife assistant, so I'm extremely familiar with those early postpartum days and the intense needs that moms have and how isolating it is and how few, you know, product, how few services really are available in, 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 in today's, today's technology. It's easy to address. So here's an example of an incredible need that a, a woman entrepreneur has addressed and and she can find investors who really understand her need and can give her meaningful feedback on her products and services and who, um, uh, you know, really can support her and, and let her know that what she's doing is really important. More so than, I mean, this is not a negative on men, but, but men just haven't really been through it, sure. you know, the way women have. So, so it's a great example. I love the example of mommy. No, I, um, I think that's awesome. Another, yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was um, changing the subject as we're done with that one. But sure. um, I, one of my other investments that I'm excited about, I mentioned already, I have invested in the Rising Tide Fund, which um, was put together by Portfolio in partnership with Next Wave Ventures. And uh, like I said, that's a, an angel investment in the fund. So there's 99 investors. Everybody puts in ten thousand dollars with a nearly a million dollar fund, and then um, it's invested by nine expert uh, angel women angel investors around the country. And um, I'm excited about it because it's actually a great investment because for a relatively small amount of money, I get a portfolio of companies rather than just one. So that makes uh, my investment less risky and more likely to have a return. And it's also just exciting to me because it's a new innovation in uh, investing that's designed to support women entering the ecosystem. And so I'm excited to be involved in, in that innovation. And it also it also supports my other investment in portfolio. So those those are the kinds of things I get really excited about when it's when the work that the company is doing is really meaningful to me personally. When I really actually care about it a lot. 
and uh, when I could definitely make good money from it. No, makes makes a lot of sense. But ladies, we're we're kind of coming to the end of the show, so let's maybe close the show with again mentioning where people can find um, you guys, the company, the book, and any other social media links you guys want to mention. Yeah, sure. Our book is. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Our book is the long title is Impact with Wings: Stories to Inspire and Mobilize Women Investors, Women Angel Investors, and Entrepreneurs. And that's on Amazon. And if you search Impact. If you search Impact with Wings on Amazon, it comes right up at the top. Perfect. Uh, there's a Kindle version and a paperback version. Uh, it's on all the electronic platforms, as far as I know. Um, let's see, what else did you want to know? We have our website, wingpack.com, that has a beginner's guide and also has an event schedule of our book launch events. We're on Facebook. We're pretty active on Twitter. Um those are our prime. We do have LinkedIn, but most of our followers are on Facebook and Twitter, and 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 those sites are full of uh, you know relevant information. Yeah, and if you if you visit our website wingpath.com, you'll see all of this information again. The title of the book, bios, and which again is to activate new women angel investors and uh, to get more female entrepreneurs funded. We'll really uh, determine to see those numbers increase. You can sign up on our email list, and you'll get you know you'll get uh, notified of launch events and workshops and, and all of our activities. Perfect. Well, um, I, thanks again for doing this. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your days to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch. And uh, who knows what the future will hold? Great. Thank thanks for so watching, Kevin. Kevin. Perfect. Thanks, Great guys. We'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Okay. Bye. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. And keep them in the future.